Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. I'm your host, Jesse Nussman. And on the other line, swag surfing through the multiverse. Very welcome to have back on Emily Wheeler, everybody. Thank you for having me. Yes, I am somehow moving through the multiverse. I still don't even understand what we call the different specific places in the multiverse because it seems like no one even calls them universes, but that's what I want to call them. So I, 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 I am makes, in a very particular universe, I guess. <laughs> I'll go by the language in the other multiverse movie out there in theaters now, everything, everywhere, all at once. Then they, they call it all universes. So that's that's fine by me. Um, Emily... Very excited to have you on because we are going to be talking about kind of the kickoff of summer blockbuster season, which is a new MCU entry. It is Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, the now I've lost track of what number MCU movie is this is, but the second standalone Doctor Strange movie. Um, before we kind of give our thoughts about the movie, are you do you consider yourself like a fan of this character who i guess now since 2016 has been played by benedict cumberbatch on screen i would not consider myself a fan because i tend to forget everything that has happened with his character um before and after like i've seen his movie i saw uh-huh. the first movie of it i saw you know i've seen i think all of the movies that have come out in the past probably five years at this point i've missed some of the uh disney plus series so if he's popped up in some right. of those maybe i have i think he was in like an episode of what if is what i hear but i haven't maybe. seen maybe yeah i haven't yeah, seen like, it either <laughs> that's one of the ones i haven't seen so like but i should i understand like remember his character and things but i find him such a character that just does not stick out good or bad in any way so i tend to entirely forget everything about him yeah i'm not dr strange is never even like as a kid was never it always seemed like a character that this is like the get out of jail free card or like you need someone to introduce some sort of like otherworldly or extreme or like weird kind of like yada yada element into the marvel universe and it's like well we'll just pull dr strange out of the (laughs) out of the toy box and you know that'll solve everything of like you know if we think about the spider-man movie that came out last christmas of like how do we get all the spider-men that have ever existed on screen together i don't know just get dr strange dust him off a little bit and you know he'll do some spell and that'll like put everyone together in one movie um and i i you know talked a little bit like when we were talking about benedict cumberbatch a lot last year on the show with power of the dog like this i think when he came in this into the MCU as this character, it just sort of seemed to be like, Hey, people really liked you in Sherlock. Can you just do that again? And now even more, it feels like, shoot, we can't get Downey back for these movies. How can we, can we just mold Benedict Cumberbatch as like our, our surrogate Downey Jr. And that seems to be the place that Dr. Strange, Dr. Strange has basically just become the new Iron Man, the like snarky goatee wearing, uh, arrogant guy <laughs> right in the marvel cinematic universe for sure i mean he definitely has a place within i think where the mcu is going in that mm-hmm. the mcu is finally starting to embrace its more powerful characters like i think the original avengers they came up with like they had a little bit of variation in how powerful they were kind of character to character but they were all somewhat within the same realm Mm-hmm. And it, they sort of started to break that as soon as they introduced Wanda in, I believe, Age of Ultron, because that she about right. was clearly way more powerful than everyone else in these movies. So then they got sucked having to hamper her so that she couldn't be the one just coming in and fixing everything in five minutes. And now with Doctor Strange and a few other characters, they've introduced more that are kind of at her level. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be a better place for the MCU to go. So... Let's kind of talk generally about this movie. This is obviously a movie that I I think you and I kind of had to have a little powwow before we got on mic about like what what even constitutes a spoiler these days. So we are going to talk more in depth about this movie. I will give a clear break for for anyone who hasn't seen it. But just in general, what what were your thoughts kind of walking out of of this second Doctor Strange movie? 
I was about as happy as I have been in quite some time walking out of an MCU movie after this Doctor Strange version because I wasn't expecting much going in. I had pretty low expectations because, as we already said, like I just don't remember much about this character. I'm not very connected to him one way or the other. So I kind of wasn't expecting much. And I don't know why, but I, I knew that Sam Raimi was the director mm-hmm. at the same time. Like I've seen a bunch of his stuff. He's never been necessarily my favorite or my style. Um, So I just wasn't expecting a whole lot going in. And I was really blown away by how much I enjoyed this movie moment to moment. Yeah, I similar to you, this is probably the most I've enjoyed a, a Marvel thing, probably. And that's including the TV shows, which I have not been that wild about most of them even something like i know they're people who really stomp for loki and wandavision but those are shows that i thought had moments that sort of teetered towards a more interesting show than what i thought they kind of turned into um but and and this doctor strange movie i wouldn't say is a great movie but i think the thing i enjoyed about it is the Sam Raimi-ness. And I think, unlike you, I am someone who really likes Sam Raimi. Um, I guess for any listeners unfamiliar, I, I feel like Sam Raimi is best known for kind of two different movie trilogies. I mean, he's he's obviously had a hand in kind of crafting the idea of the modern superhero blockbuster with he did the, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, which I think at least the first two are really good and really hold up um even all these years later and before that probably best known for the evil dead series which i would just say is is the kind of thing that if if you are just of a certain age and like a cinephile and you see that any of those movies it just sort of completely blows your mind about his ability to sort of seamlessly blend comedy and horror to where like that you know it's not like most comedy horror stuff where it's either meta like scream or cabin in the woods or it's like um abbott and costello meet frankenstein or Shaun of the dead where it's like we're, we're putting comedic people in pretty straight horror movies the sort of the jokes are also the gross out gags and it's also seamlessly blended together but he's also just i i was sort of going into this movie a little bit nervous i guess i would i would say because obviously the the mcu um we've even talked about a little bit on the show is not really is maybe the most conservative in terms of style in terms of there's almost no big aesthetic choices made in marvel movies they're you know they're very contained corporate pieces of of product for better or for worse and sam raimi um, even though he kind of has this period in the late 90s where he he makes kind of more, you know, stuff like A Simple Plan or The Gift or um, For Love of the Game, which is like a really awful baseball movie with Kevin Costner and Kelly Preston in it that I would not recommend to anyone. But, um, you know, most of his movies, he is someone who is going to like wring everything out of the movie stylistic wise. He is going to like find any kind of weird inventive like camera angle and move way of moving the camera i mean even going back to those evil dead movies where he's like strapping cameras onto like hockey pucks and like two by fours and flinging them through the air and you're just like i've never seen anything that like moves like this and doing like weird smash zooms and quick cuts and like odd dutch angles and the camera's like spinning around like it's in uh a dryer machine or something like that. Like he, he is someone who does big, bold, crazy aesthetic choices. And I think a little bit of my apprehension is he hadn't made a movie in close to almost a decade. The last movie he made was a very forgettable, um, wizard of Oz prequel that do you remember that this happened with James Franco playing the wizard and also had Michelle Williams, uh, Mila Kunis and Rachel Weisz in it? Yes. I 100% remember that that happened because I'm a huge Rachel Weisz fan. Uh, I unfortunately never saw that movie because I heard how terrible it was. It's, it's awful. I mean, I would encourage anyone who is like interested in getting into Raimi's movies and exploring his filmography, uh, a podcast. I really like blank check has been, going through his entire filmography and that's i think a great way to kind of explore 
each of his movies um though i would consider that wizard of oz movie to be one of his worst uh but yeah so i i was nervously excited about how much are they going to let him cook inside of this franchise is this going to be the big bull return of wacky weird crazy horror comedy sam raimi or is this going to be some veteran director being like I'm going to show this I'm I'm going to do kind of a a solid studio job to just kind of get my my foot back in the door. And I think it's a little bit in the middle for me. And that's maybe a long-winded way of saying like the thing I enjoy about this movie is the moments when they kind of let Sam Raimi be Sam Raimi and you get a little bit of that kind of crazy evil dead energy and playfulness in the visuals and the set pieces and it's got there are moments where it has to run down the checklist of world building and kind of ip service that has to be in all this stuff but i the marvel movies i enjoyed the most let the people who make them at least put a little bit of their personality in there and this is one where i feel like they at least let him go like 50 percent of the way there into full-on Sam Raimi craziness. And that may not be enough for some people, but I I, I was glad that they at least let him get halfway there, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And maybe I am just the kind of person who is more happy with kind of only the halfway Sam Raimi, because mm-hmm. like a lot of the movies you listed off, I would say definitely um, there's a lot of Evil Dead 2 in here in the mashup of kind of horror and comedy. I am a mm-hmm. little concerned that people are going to overhype the amount of horror that's in this movie. I think that's it, already happening on, yeah, from what I've like, seen on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, like I would never ever call this an actual horror movie, but there is a lot of like little moments of like visuals and things that nod to horror and might mm-hmm. just make you go, oh, that that's that's, you know. That's kind of more cool than scary, but I get what they're going for there. Um, The other thing I think you really want to pop out of Sam Raimi's uh, filmography is Drag Me to Hell, because that is his PG-13 horror movie. A lot of people cite that as one of the better PG-13 horror movies ever made. And um, he's obviously having to contain the horror of something like what he did in the Evil Dead franchise down to a PG-13 level because they were not going to let him make a rated R Doctor Strange movie. No. Um, But that movie's nuts. I mean, it's been a few years since I've seen it, but my memory of it is like that movie is just like a sensory overload at every, even though it's not gory in the way that like the Evil Dead movies is, but it is like disgusting and kind of in your face and is like so loud and all of his like crazy camera movements is it you you just feel like somebody is throwing everything at you and like banging your heads with like two uh two trash can tops or something like that is like that's how assaultive of a movie it is from my memory right but um the thing that really kind of the bit that turns me off with Sam Raimi in general, and in particular Sam Raimi doing Drag Me to Hell, is that when he was trying to get down to a little bit of a lower rating, he would lean really hard on gross out stuff. So he was big into like oozy stuff, um, a lot of like viscera and puke and kind of like, you know, liquidy stuff that he would try to gross you out with. And that's mm-hmm. what he leaned on really hard. Um that is not something that works for me. And that is the element of Raimi that's really missing in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Like, I think the things that you were talking about with like the weird camera angles and all of these sorts of just like really unique things that you're seeing on screen is what does make it into Multiverse of Madness for him. And that is the stuff that I really enjoyed, even if it wasn't like the most inventive thing. Like there's a shot fairly early in the movie where like, it's it's doing a very classic shot of trying to show someone with kind of a split personality or a split psyche. And mm-hmm. so what happens is they literally just like show like a, uh, it's almost like glass cracking. And then all of a sudden there's three, you know, images of the same person. Mm-hmm. And like, you've seen that 5 million times, but somehow in the hands of Sam Raimi, that was like such a cool looking shot in the way he pulled it off in the course of that scene. Yeah. And there's even a moment um, later in the movie that, that I will not, spoil that i don't know if you've ever seen um his movie dark man which is sort of the other superhero-esque essentially a movie he made in kind of the early 90s as sort of like a middle finger for not 
being able to not getting the job to make the shadow and he was just sort of like well i will make my own original version of the shadow. basically make the shadow but my own weird horror character version of it and um there there is a moment later in the movie that maybe we can talk a little bit about more in, in spoilers where um I, w- I will say the the way a character is presented on screen um, and the sort of earnest way that the grotesqueness of that character comes across in a very heroic moment is like, oh, that like that looks exactly like the Dark Man character on screen, and it's it's weird of him, you know, that almost being a little tip of the hat to like, yeah, that was my first foray into a superhero movie, even though it has more of a cult following, I would say. Yeah, I definitely haven't seen that one, so I did not pick up on that moment. But probably that was one of the many moments as I was watching uh, in the Multiverse of Madness, or however we... I don't know what like shortened version of this title everyone is going with, because it's not a good one. We can just call it... You know, we don't, we don't have to be nailed down to one, but, you know, let's call it whatever we feel in the moment. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like... In Multiverse, as I was watching it in a pretty crowded theater, um, there was a lot of people reacting to things that I was like, I don't know what you're reacting about. I don't know if this is like a reference to a comic book thing. I don't know because I tend to not know any of the references to comic books Um, or, you know, maybe some other Sam Raimi movie that I haven't seen because I certainly haven't seen all of them. But um, yeah, so I was definitely picking up that it was throwing out references to things I necessarily didn't pick up. But again, that's not uncommon for me in an MCU movie in general. So I just kind of like accept that there's things that are going to throw in there that I'm not going to get. It's for someone else. So they normally move on fairly quickly. And I do think this movie in particular is very good at moving on from those moments. Like every MCU movie. Yeah. Like every MCU movie has those things where like, we're going to call out some random thing or we're going to have a little cameo. And like, several times in some of these movies they really kind of sit on that moment so if you don't get it you're just kind of like sitting there for like two minutes being like i don't understand what's happening and this isn't doing anything for me this movie is much better at just like yes getting those moments but also moving on immediately from them and even then i think there was a lot of and maybe this could also be me not getting some references maybe there's more than i than i realize but i i would say the lead up of this movie maybe this is a half spoiler but like honestly if this is a spoiler for you then like we you we just can't do this show anymore um but like i would say the expect there was somewhat of an expectation going into this that there was it was just going to be wall to wall like world building introducing new characters old characters coming back um just non-stop cameos and kind of easter egg stuff and there is one section of the movie that does very much lean into that but i would not say that this is um the sort of non-stop barrage of world build you know i don't even think that this is as much kind of the member berries nostalgia stuff as like the most recent Spider-Man movie was, for example, of that. That felt like a movie that was totally built on, here's this thing you've seen before, here's this person you've seen before. Um, and this movie has one section that we'll get into that's kind of like that, but I feel like that one section's pretty contained and the rest of the movie um, sort of is embarking on its own story. Yeah, and I think that's where it's really going to start dividing people once it Mm -hmm. really gets out, is that I think some people are going to react more like you and I did in that, hey, I really enjoyed this in in the moment. I really enjoyed all these Sam Raimi stuff that's in here with the visuals. But if you are one of the people who are really deeply invested in like the overall story of the MCU and what they're doing and what they're building towards and what they've done in the past, Mm -hmm. I think this movie really lets a lot of that go. Mm -hmm. Like It's kind of unexpected in a certain sense, but like, I went into this movie and I was like, I don't know if that's where how I remember these characters being or acting like when I last saw them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that they've really changed that much by the end of the movie, but I also don't think that's really the point of that movie. And that's fine. That's perf- perfectly fine with me, but I think right. that is going to make some people irritated. Well, let's get into the plot a bit more. This is, I'll, I'll put some, some air horn sirens right here this is your clear warning if you have not seen this movie and don't want it spoiled all right we're gonna have to talk about it all right so i'm gonna kind of run through the plot the best i can emily forgive me or feel free to call me out if i miss some stuff because would you say it's fairly safe to say that like 
this is a bit of a convoluted movie. I would even say like I was kind of the part of this movie that worked for me the least was sort of the beginning, which is like very, very heavy, like right off the bat. Like we we got to lug like three chester drawers of exposition over and we just have to dump them all on you as an audience and it is, it is like no room to breathe like we even a bit where like characters sit down at a pizzeria and it's like we need to explain to you a whole bunch of myth- mythological nonsensical stuff basically the movie is dr stephen strange um having to protect uh one of the new characters in this movie um her name is america chavez um i was not familiar with this character from marvel comics was this a character you had any kind of prior knowledge of whatsoever no this is an absolute brand new character to me okay so a new entry into the mcu she has this power where she can if she gets overly upset or overly emotional about something she'll just blip into a whole different universe and she is being pursued by various creatures and entities um the most like fun of which is probably this like giant eyeball monster that like roams through whatever like weird backlot new york city all of these (laughs) mcu (laughs) movies take place in and has octopus tentacles and becomes a whole set piece um And eventually we learn that the real person sort of pursuing this young woman um, who want, and the person who wants to harness the power of the multiverse is Scarlet Witch. And this movie, I would say picks up pretty directly after the events of the WandaVision TV series. And a lot of what happens in that TV series becomes kind of prior knowledge plot. Another just I've seen a lot of funny comments about like, we're going to really be testing audiences commitment. If all of a sudden, like you not just need to keep up with the Marvel movies, but you also need to keep up with all the mini series because you never know when that's going to be necessary reading for these. Um, And so I think kind of the first big spoilery thing is Scarlet, Witch is in this movie. Um, And, would you say it's pretty safe to say is is the villain is the antagonist of this movie and really this is Doctor Strange sort of fleeing across the multiverse with uh young America Chavez as um Scarlet Witch sort of accumulates power and sort of pursues them on her own quest to harness uh the young Chavez girls power and be able to just blip into any multiverse she wants and see her her dead or non-existent children uh, i hope i did a good job at explaining all of that <laughs> i was like what's the most bare simple way without having to like talk about like the weird book that is kind of like the evil dead book and like all the like <laughs> mystical spells and stuff did i did i do a good job Yes, um, it is basically a chase movie, yes. and I think you're exactly correct that I- I'm sensing some hesitation from people in calling uh, Scarlet Witch, Wanda, whatever we call this character now. I'm sensing some hesitation in calling her the villain of the movie, despite the fact that to me, like, she very clearly is the villain. I yeah. don't know what else you would consider her. I think people are getting caught up in the idea that, like, a villain has to have nefarious reasons for doing what they're doing, versus she is doing it very clearly out of a sense of grief. Mm-hmm. Um, like she has perfectly understandable reasons for why she's doing this really terrible thing, which is essentially she wants to kill America Chavez, who is a teenager. So like, she's literally just spending this movie running around wanting to kill some teenage girl. Right. <laughs> like, like, it's also villainous. weird when that, whenever like they're talking about her and be like, Dr. Strange, you need to save America. Like that kept taking me out of it. Or like Wanda wants to capture and kill America. <laughs> and was like, is, is there some weird allegory that we're trying to lump on here? Just like that. That's just like a weird thing that kept taking me out of the movie, but continue. That is something I was curious where I was like, I wonder if the name is explained better. And there's like a thematic reason for that in the comics, because from what I know of how comics are written, like there's a reason for having such an on the nose name. Like, come on, it does not come up in this movie. So, you know, I kind of set it aside. Um, 
what's what really bothered me is um as you were saying you're going to be really lost if you haven't seen wandavision like mm-hmm. i wasn't sure going in which ones i would need to see having not watched all of the series so i tried to do some catch-up trying to guess which ones would be relevant mm-hmm. luckily wandavision was one of them i think it's the more obvious one that's probably going to be right. important luckily um but yeah if you don't know wandavision then you don't know that she invented these children for herself in this like i don't even know that like hex thing world that she created for other people that I, she was like i watched it and i barely in. remember so <laughs> <laughs> yeah she like cast a spell of some sort that uh brought back an imaginary version of vision and then they had imaginary kids but within that spell she was also keeping real people in a town like under her control and like that series very uh distinctly you can also i think read her as the villain of that series because it's and one of the things that really bothered me then going into this movie and how dr strange and the multiverse of that is played out particularly for her character is that i felt it was essentially a rehash of her Mm. arc in wandavision because WandaVision essentially is the arc of her, you know, in her grief over Vision doing this terrible thing and being like, oh, no, I made a mistake with Mm -hmm. my, you know, extremely supreme powers in her grief. She hurt people and she feels really bad about it at the end of the series. And then Multiverse of Madness starts up and she is grieving over her children Mm -hmm. and she does really terrible things with her powers because of her grief. And I was like, isn't that the same arc? (laughs) I I maybe was was a little less bothered by it if if only because um you know scarlet witch has never been a character that i've been sort of super like until the wandavision tv series i would argue that they never really gave like elizabeth olsen must much to do in these movies and that was sort of a character i never understood like what's what's the deal with her like what like even like what does she do like i don't even fully understand her powers or anything um but and and maybe I like her more as sort of the bill or was not sort of bothered with the sort of decision to turn her into kind of the big villain of this movie in sort of from an aesthetics point of view. It's sort of and from what I mentioned, kind of liking Sam Raimi bringing a little bit of his sort of a dash of his kind of horror sensibility to it. It does allow for essentially her character is able to let's just say through magic um because i don't have time to explain it but is able to kind of possess the bodies of other wandas in other universes and it becomes this almost like marvel version of the like evil dead possession where she's kind of walking like this zombie and it becomes this almost like undead possessed person kind of like the the people in the evil dead movies that bruce campbell has to like you know maul and decapitate and stuff but then you know a a marvel pg-13 eyes version of that kind of chasing after um dr strange and and young america chavez and and i i enjoyed that it let raimi kind of dive into that and elizabeth olsen is having like enough fun i think kind of playing the a big campy villain that i i was sort of willing to go with it and sort of me not being invested in that character's arc but have have heard others like you that were sort of like this kind of like doesn't make sense with the the show that came before or people mad in the similar way of like uh remember how mad people got like in the final season of game of thrones when they kind of made that sudden pivot to like all of a sudden daenerys targaryen is now the big villain of the show with like three episodes left of like i i i'm i would not be surprised if after this weekend there is like a portion of marvel fans who kind of have the same reaction of like oh they turned my favorite character into the big bad of this this movie randomly but um i was not one of those invested so i i enjoyed it as a a vehicle to kind of get some of the the little little evil dead dashes of seasoning in the movie for sure i mean i am not at all like upset that they made any of these superheroes into essentially a super villain because i think Mm. it's a perfectly good thing to do and i think it does make sense for her character my only issue was they've already done it Mm -hmm. like you've already (laughs) done this arc 
Uh, you were saying that like you're not overly invested in that character. I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my long term joke is that like they essentially haven't written her character to be able to do anything because she's too powerful. If they had unleashed her uh, by Age of Ultron or anything through Endgame, she would have solved this whole gauntlet problem by herself. So in order to get around that narrative problem, they just had her be upset about a guy in every single iteration that she appears in. So she's either upset about her brother, upset about Vision, and now she's upset about her two kids who are boys and it's like oh my gosh like at least like how do you keep doing this with this character like just try something else like it's not even that it's a bad arc it's just that they keep doing the same thing with her so it is nice at least despite kind of rehashing the same stuff with her as you're saying she gets to do this really like horror inflected stuff and as much as i said earlier that like i think we need to downplay how much horror this is because this is not a horror movie I do think there is one sequence that is actually a horror sequence mm, and it yeah, is definitely. her as the villain. Yeah. I think you were talking about it earlier where she is like chasing through a tunnel. She's inhabited the body of one of herself in the other universes. And she has like thrown that version of herself, like through walls and put her through all the stuff. So by the time you get to this chase through the tunnel, like she's all beat up and bloody and she's walking all funny like you were describing right. and she's chasing them through a tunnel and it is shot like a straight up horror movie like that is a horror sequence right there of them being chased by a monster mm-hmm. it just happens to be a version of wanda yes so and speaking of other characters who come back and maybe other characters who aren't as well written I, actually before we do that what what did you just think of the america chavez character in in general just as, well, as suddenly, a new addition to to this universe. Like, is this a character you're excited to see more of where you're just kind of like, oh, she's she's charming, I guess. That's That last one is more how I fell, was just sort of like, I don't know, she's okay. Yeah, sadly, you introed with that. Maybe let's not talk about bad writing in this movie. Uh, I'm not, I'm yeah. going to go back to bad writing in this movie <laughs> since you moved to that character. Like, that is the other, like, she is not written as a character is the core problem of this movie. Like she doesn't exist as a person. She's an exposition device, essentially. Right. She is the thing that everyone is chasing. But what this movie forgot is that she's not a thing. She's a person. And they just don't give us, they don't tell us much about her or let her do much of anything at all, or really give her character an actual arc. Yeah. And they, the only really thing they give her is the like Disney, lip service kind of like we're gonna give the one scene where we have a sort of flashback vision that shows that she has um two lesbian parents but you know an isolated scene that you know when we got to sell this movie in china we can just cut that scene out but you know here in here in the united states we could be like we we did it everyone we 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 did progress but you know what that every anytime I see that in uh, the the continued Disney like very random one scene that you know is only there for lip service and that and that has been pretty much blown up with a lot of the stuff that's come out with like the Florida Bill and stuff and Disney's reaction to that like they just cut that stuff out when it goes to China and they're li- I I'll get off my political soapbox about about that feel free to comment if you want but that that is like the one sprinkle they give in there and it's just like come on guys like that's that's not even any if you really want to do this like actually make her gay like don't uh, it just sort of irritates me (laughs) one of the rumors i'd heard going into this because i i don't think it's any like spoiler or anything that there's been a lot of rumors going around that like Saudi Arabia said they had to cut something and it was for something something queer referenced right. in here but it was only going to be like nine seconds or something so you're like right. they're going to do exactly what you were describing which is what they've done for years now probably a decade now which is where they put in like some tiny little thing in the movie that is easily cut out for places that will require it to be cut out so they can still sell this movie everywhere mm-hmm. if you if you remember way way back to the live action Beauty and the Beast remake Um, oh gosh yeah that happened (laughs) wow (laughs) no if you remember in the lead up to that the press i believe it was the director said that there was an exclusively gay moment in that movie he used the words exclusively gay so that's always what i've used for those moments in these disney movies oh wait and wasn't it something where it was just like josh gad we we have like a 30 second insert shot of josh gad like dancing with a person and then it's like off dancing with another man and then it's off screen and you're like wait did i see it was that it (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that was it. At that point, they were just doing, like, he danced with another man, like, clearly. And, like, obviously that entire movie is, like, pretty clear, wink, wink, that he's, like, into Gaston in that movie, yes. but they don't say it explicitly. But I just love that the director used the term exclusively gay moment <laughs> in there, which is a perfect description of what Disney has continued to do throughout all of these movies. Well, um, speaking of kind of where I was going, of speaking of characters who are coming back who... And maybe the the weird way they are they do come back um rachel mcadams a person i i love 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 like have never ever been upset to see rachel mcadams in anything and returns as her character from the first doctor strange who I do that big setup of how much I love Rachel McAdams to say, I barely remember that Rachel McAdams, like I, I probably have not seen the first Dr. Strange movie since it was in theaters, but correct me if I'm wrong, Emily. I feel like my memory of her in that movie was walking out being like, did they really sucker her into doing this? She has like two scenes. And then in this movie, she, to be fair, is in a lot more of the movie, but one of the big arcs of the movie is, is Doctor Strange going to be tempted to? Uh, is he going to have a same temptation of Wanda of like I could have a universe where I'm with the woman who got away? And a big emotional through line of this movie is like their relationship and her being like the woman she he had to the relationship he had to ruin to become Doctor Strange. And I was just like, I don't remember this being like that big of a deal in in the marvel universe and now all of a sudden like this has to carry the same weight as like you know speaking of other sam raimi movies like toby toby if it was toby Maguire and kirsten dunce in those spider-man movies like there's there's a version of this of like the the two people who have the hots for each other but like man it's so hard being with someone who has superpowers but here it's it's I mean, I don't think Rachel McAdams is bad. I don't think she's given that much more to do in this movie. But it, it, what did you think of them bringing her back, but making this like relationship with them such a like core integral part of the movie? Because this, what I would say, is the like one of the big things that did not work for me in this movie. Yeah, so this is my embarrassing admission, is I was watching Multiverse of Madness, and Rachel McAdams shows up, like, in one of the first scenes. Like, she's in, she's, she she appears, like, right at the beginning of the mm-hmm. movie. And when she appeared, I went, oh, yeah, she's in these <laughs> movies. I had totally forgotten that she had existed in the MCU at all. <laughs> That's how forgettable, clearly, she was to me in the first Doctor Strange movie. Once I saw her... And I think she appears, like, she first appears like she's getting married to someone else and Doctor Strange is upset about it. So it's it's mm-hmm. it's like a, it's one of those examples of a good thing of the MCU doing, like, slight reminders for people like me or people who just haven't seen them at all of, like, this is kind of how their relationship was when you last saw them. So, like, I quickly remembered that, like, oh, yeah, she was, like, a love interest in the first movie that didn't get to do anything. Right. I was I basically had the same memory of you once I did remember that she existed in these universes. Uh but I must admit that, uh, yeah, she basically she is in this movie a lot. She does not have a lot to do. She is always great because she's Rachel McAdams, and we greatly undervalue her and her yes. range. By the way, <laughs> um, she, I mean, she has one of the greatest ranges I think of she, anybody. I, I, I always like. I, I can't diverge our conversation into this whole rant, but like one of my great friends of mine who I hang out with a lot know that like one of the great like movie rants, like if I've had like one too many drinks or something like that is the Rachel McAdams should be Julia Roberts famous at this moment. But the like, but Hollywood has root has, has failed her. That that's like one of the, the like biggest like passionate takes I have as someone who just like really, really loves her in anything. Um, yeah, I mean, I totally, I totally agree. I would agree with that rant. I would be right yes. along with you with that rant. Like I, like I said, like I think she's one of the most undervalued and has one of the greatest ranges we've seen. The issue with this plot line for her, though, is that as you were saying, like she's essentially there to like tempt Doctor Strange or make like he's basically just sad that their relationship never worked out. Mm-hmm. It's been kind of his emotional state the entire movie, 
And you're going through this movie through like all of these multiverses. And one of the things that kind of alarmed me just going into this movie and with this whole concept is that you're basically going to be able to undo anything that has happened Mm -hmm. uh, ever in the movie. Because you can just go to this other universe where that person hasn't died or that thing hasn't happened and just start working there or pull someone from there to fix things. Um, So having remembered suddenly that Rachel McAdams is in this universe, in my mind, I was like, I'm not invested in her relationship with Dr. Strange. I don't even remember it. Can we go to a universe where she's like, we're back in like the disobedience universe where she's with Rachel Vice because Rachel Vice is in this in the MCU now too. So let's go that's, to that universe. That's true. That's true. I forgot Rachel Vice is in is in here now. Um, well, let's talk about some of the other people who get brought in through the multiverse. I mean, obviously, there's these very visually dazzling sequences of uh, Doctor Strange in America falling through various different worlds, and that lets Sam Raimi do a lot of visual panaches we get you know the inevitable like like clockwork uh bruce campbell cameo um since him and Raimi are longtime friends and um evil dead is probably like the biggest thing bruce campbell's known for um never never going to be sad to, to see bruce campbell the audience the press audience i was with thought it was very fun when he had his one little cameo um but i'd say the big kind of cameo centered sequence that we get in the center of the movie is Doctor Strange and America wind up in one alternate universe where there's no Avengers, but there is the Illuminati, which is a superhero team that makes up of not Jay-Z and Beyonce, um, but Mordo, which if you do not remember, is the character Chiwetel Ejiofar played in the first Doctor Strange movie, a character I kind of forgot I, uh, when he appeared in this, I was just like, Oh yeah. What did happen to him? Another, like the kind of like Rachel McAdams of like, he was in that movie. I kind of forgot about that one. Wonder what he's been doing all these years. Um, but then most um, importantly, I'm going to try and pull up the, the sort of the full list of kind of big characters that, that show up um, the character of black bolt. Um, which another fairly minor Marvel character. I did not recognize um, that character at all. Uh, I think we can skip past that. There is an an alternate version of Captain Marvel that is, I believe, played by Lashana Lynch, um, who is in the most recent Bond movie. Um, was also in. Uh, I don't know if you saw the the Koganata movie after Yang. Um, she was also in that as well. Um, and then I think obviously we have gotta 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 let my heart out uh, a little bit about a, a very specific <laughs> Jesse crush. We get Haley Atwell returning as as like a a alternate British version of Captain Marvel. I'm sorry to all the Mar to all the Marvel comic fans that like if this character has a very specific name that I'm butchering, but I always love as someone who has a crush on Haley Atwell to see Haley Atwell. Um, back in these movies but i'd say the two biggest ones um john krasinski makes an appearance as um reed richards the head of the fantastic four and then rolling out in his little motorized wheelchair uh patrick stewart once again stepping back into the the role of professor x um and this the scene I, I is the one where the audience like really did the like stand up cheer moments um and is is i think pretty clearly marvel sort of i mean they've already announced a fantastic four movie i think pretty clearly them tipping the hat to we are going to the, the x-men and the fantastic four are now part of the family and this is their way of kind of in in a sort of fun kind of throwaway scene because eventually when Scarlet Witch enters the picture, like invades their like fortress of solitude. And I thought pretty humorously and surprisingly graphically, like <laughs> some in, through some like gruesome techniques in a couple places, um, dispatches with each of these heroes. Um, what did, what did you think of this, this whole sequence, the sort of introduction of all these either alternate versions of like Captain America and Captain Marvel and sort of like, John Krasinski and Patrick Stewart coming in as these other famous characters and then having them kind of like, I could just imagine like Sam Raimi, like gleefully, like 
rubbing his hands behind the mic and laughing as like they're being sort of dispatched like in one of his wacky horror movies yeah i mean that scene is the most overt kind of fan service moment that you Mm -hmm. get in this in this movie and i think what does make it work for someone like me who is just like i'm not here for these movies for essentially casting announcements which is what those moments always feel like to me like i don't know if these people are going to play these characters in other versions like i don't know like obviously i'm not saying that but like it it is very clearly just to be like hey look at these characters that you know and look at these cool people playing the characters that you know in an mcu movie yeah you know professor x for the first time um like that's not something that excites me so what really made that work is what you were saying is like quickly undoing that excitement by just just eviscerating them yes (laughs) in in really terrible ways and i mean like poor peggy carter gets like chopped in half by like the captain america shield and like patrick stewart gets to like his head like spun all the way around and you hear his neck it 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 is like like when i say like you you can hear raimi just like cackling behind the camera at how like ludicrous all of it is right and like i was certainly laughing at most of that uh a lot of my theater was laughing at most of that the other thing i really appreciated about the way that played out is that there was a very clear sequence of like taking out the people who are not as powerful very clearly, who would not just literally would not stand a chance against Scarlet Witch. So like they very clearly get, get out the voice guy. I don't even remember. Black, Black Bolt. Yes. That, that (laughs) was the first sort of like really funny, the the kind of like, Oh snap. Like this is unexpectedly like really violent. Okay. In a couple spots. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was because he went for that violence and it was so sudden, like, that was just a comedy beat. Like that's just a very well orchestrated comedy beat. Mm-hmm. And then it continues with the guy from Fantastic Four, which I guess I'll have to make my other embarrassing admission that I know very little about Fantastic Four. Uh, the it's, only it's movie, not, not the only one, the only one I've seen is Van Forstick. <laughs> that's the. Is that the name of the one that's the 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 Josh Trank? Yes. Catastrophe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm not even like when I was a kid and was like into like spy, Spider Man and X Men were more the ones I was interested in. So I'm, I'm, I can't bring the Fantastic Four knowledge. I'm, I'm sorry to say either. Yeah. Like, so I don't hold that movie against how whatever is going to happen with these characters. I just don't know much about them. Like, I know that the main dude, which is who this guy, who, which is, who appears in this is like elastic or something like he stretches out like that's about as much as i know so like obviously he's not going to be able to do anything against scarlet witch um so he gets dispatched really fast and then they kind of move up the only bad thing about that sequence i thought is that they did very clearly get caught where they wrote something that they could not put into a pg-13 movie which Mm. is the like cutting in half of uh of captain poor Haley atwell (laughs) yeah of kaylee atwell like that is a very awkward like cut for pg-13 i can't show you what actually happened there because we can't show the kids that (laughs) um so i mean that is an awkward sequence just because that has to be cut so awkwardly but Mm -hmm. everything else about that sequence is so wonderful and the way they kind of then kind of give professor x a little bit more to do and he kind of gets a little moment as probably like the character that people were most excited to see join because as you were saying it does kind of nod to the fact that the x-men are finally going to be coming into Mm -hmm. these series like i think they've announced an x-men series or movie it is untitled they say it's coming very soon um but that's all we've gotten so far and they've been sitting on the x-men for quite a bit and for me personally, that's about the only one that's going to get me excited because my superheroes, like my favorite superheroes, has never been the MCU, has never been the DCEU. Like, particularly when we're talking about movie versions, like my superheroes and the stories I'm interested in are the X-Men and the Fast family. Mm. So like, those are the two I would be excited. I, I'm excited to see on screen every single time. And obviously I'm not going to get the Fast family in these movies, but I am like, hesitantly excited about what the mcu is going to do with the x-men um but it's nice to see professor x back and then get brutally murdered yeah i i as someone who really liked the x-men as well like when i was more into superhero stuff as a kid like i i think at least maybe like the downside i think the one way where they could improve over the like whatever we want to call all the ones that were made over at at fox is is sort of like 
leaning more into kind of the more kind of extravagant side of the X-Men movies and not trying to sort of ground them as much. And they can, because, you know, those X-Men stories can get pretty like crazy and kaleidoscopic um, and very soapy and sort of, um, but, you, you know, and I think like, introducing someone like patrick stewart that's a good way to kind of nod to the audience while also like because this is a multiverse thing like like you said it sort of gives them the out of like i would be surprised if patrick stewart like came back for an actual movie um whereas you know someone like krasinski like i i think it's probably pretty safe to say that like whenever the fantastic four movie arrives like he's probably playing that character um well i mean like even I, as someone who does not follow the casting news, like I had heard all the rumors that he had been cast and that yes. role. Like I had even heard about that. And so I was like, when he showed up, I was like, is that confirmation that he's going to be in the movies? Right. Like, they don't say, obviously, but it was very like, I guess, I think that means he's going to be in the Fantastic Four movie as well. Right. So kind of continuing through the movie, eventually we get to one universe where, um, you know, th- there becomes a big subplot in sort of the back half or like back third of the movie where um dr strange is himself kind of a threat to the multiverse and there is a like just like there's a nega scott in scott pilgrim versus the world there's like a nega dr strange um the one kind of dark man-esque bit that i guess i was sort of like coyly toying around with that um is another one of the raimi horror flourishes that i kind of liked is dr strange in order to fight wanda has to do a similar like i need to possess the body of another dr strange but he possesses like the body of a dead dr strange and so we get zombie dr strange like heroically fighting uh scarlet witch like towards the end of the movie and the the bit where i was saying was like very dark man-esque is when he's like talking with uh america and he has like half of his face is missing but like raimi's like shooting him like he's the most like dashing uh superhero like leading man and like that's basically how he's shooting liam neeson with like half his face blown off in in dark man um so yeah, I mean, I I I think the biggest thing for us to that was kind of spoilery was um the the sort of centerpiece in the alternate universe with the Illuminati. But what did what did you think of kind of like the rest and the conclusion of the movie? I guess to mention like Wanda dies, we think maybe. I don't know. I mean, I like I said, does anyone like, ever die in these is, movies? <laughs> yeah, like no one is dead in these movies, and so, they can like, just bring I, back another version cares? of her. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, no, it's like go grab another version of her and bring her back if they ever want to bring her back. So like that's my narrative problem with how the MCU has gone is like there's just too many ways to undo everything that's happened. So mm-hmm. I don't, I, I not invested, and in I quite frankly don't care if someone has died or not because I don't believe that they're actually going to stay dead mm-hmm. <laughs> or never come back. Um. So, yeah, you do get to that end thing, which apparently is, you know, very taken from Darkman, but even I have not seen that, but I could even tell, like, okay, this is, this sequence is Sam Raimi going full Sam Raimi, Mm because what, it has one of my favorite images of the movie that I think is really, like, specific to what I'm loving about what Raimi brought to this, is that when you do have those little images that kind of point towards horror, um, he's not doing it in a really scary way. Like he's bringing Mm -hmm. that kind of kooky, almost lo-fi feel to a lot of these shots, Mm -hmm. even though they're obviously on the scale he's working at in this movie are very expensive and hi-fi shots. There's, there's probably not a single image in this movie where someone is like, not even, even the images where it's like, I'm walking down to the bodega around the corner from me. Like, you know, that's like a green screen somewhere. Right, but these monsters, he does have this kind of, like, lo-fi feel that I think is very a part of what he does and is part of kind of the charm of what he does. And in particular, the one that I think that just, like, incredibly charmed me is in that sequence, he has, like, zombie Doctor Strange has to, like, fly over to where Wanda is. And what he does is, like, he gets these, like, demon skeleton (laughs) things to basically form wings around him. Right. (laughs) And... I mean, those little demon skeleton things are exactly what I'm talking about in this like very lo-fi aesthetic. Is that they do not look at all realistic. No. Like, they look like some old thing that thing that that like someone has thrown together off of like cheap props. But I love that aesthetic within that movie. Like mm-hmm. they're very well done, but it, it's very clearly an aesthetic choice to do to uh, design them like that. And it is such like a fun inflection into what could have gone full horror. 
but because it's Sam Raimi, you're getting very clearly a horror comedy. So that moment plays like as just this wonderful moment of um, just like the wonder and fun of a big blockbuster movie and having like that feeling of it was so perfect within that sequence. Yeah, I think there's there's an unpretentiousness about Raimi that I find like very very kind of endearing and sweet of just like he 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 loves silliness and he's he's just sort of looking for sort of like maximal entertainment and and I think that's the thing that you and I kind of to like start wrapping us up is like the thing that you and I kind of latched onto in parts of this movie is the bits where you you just sort of feel him he's having fun kind of positioning the camera and coming up with all these crazy visuals and doing these sort of like weird fade-ins where like someone's face will fade in over like the the whispering wind going through like a castle with candles and stuff like that and the you know the the creepy almost zombie like shots of Wanda going through and dispatching with all of these like new uh superheroes that are being introduced into the MCU you know there's 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 a 10 year old boy sense of fun about that that I I enjoyed and had a little and had more style to it in those sections than I think most of these MCU movies typically have even when you have you know these sort of long more boring expositional moments or moments where you're like man that looks really flat and ugly um i i i like that it's sort of a 50 50 mashup see i find it so interesting that you're saying and i've heard it from other people that like there's these moments of exposition and it's flat and it's boring and it's like i never felt that like that was one of the things that i really yeah like i never got caught up in like too much exposition or something like there was always something like kind of weird and off center that was happening in like every single moment that i was picking up on that like even when they were just doing exposition dumps i was like just get like get this is actually not a complicated plot for like right. a movie that's about moving for the through the multiverse it is just a chase movie mm-hmm. it is not complicated i don't need to explain everything i i am not one of the people invested in the mcu overarching story i don't care how it is going to affect things going forward because i just think they'll be able to make up something new if they don't want whatever happened in multiverse of madness to stick they'll just make up something that erases it so like my my kind of summary of this movie is I think it be- operates best at the level of absurdism, mm-hmm. meaning that like nothing matters, like not like everything's weird, but like literally like the philosophical level of things happen, but absolutely nothing matters and you don't need to worry about it. And you shouldn't really have any emotional reaction to it because who cares? <laughs> so like, I was really, I really like fell into that feeling within this movie of just like, I'm going to look at all this like kind of off center stuff that's happening and Raimi going full Raimi and I do not care about the plot. They've given me the basic chase thing. That's all I need for this movie. And so I was perfectly fine with the movie operating at that level. Well, I think we can, we can, we can wrap ourselves up. Uh, I guess before we go, do you have any like thoughts on the end credit scenes? We of course get, we get a little Thanos and a little shawarma, which is to say you get a little bit of the like, here's the big introduction of a new character moment. And then you get the like more goofy, like, well, why did I stay for that moment? Even though I enjoyed Bruce Campbell just doing a Ferris Bueller moment and like looking at dead into the camera and being like, go home, everybody at the end of the movie. Yeah, I have. I am one of those people that is just endlessly annoyed by those tease those credit scenes like i just don't care about them i'm always annoyed having to sit there and watch them um it feels like such an obligation i mean i know i know i said that of like i i just enjoy seeing bruce bruce campbell do anything is probably more my positivity there but of like i'm i'm with you most of the time i don't stay and then i just tell people like you you tell me like who is Charlize Theron playing? Like, I love Charlize, but I was just like, okay, I don't know what that means. And then like left and went home. Exactly. Like, as you were saying, like, there's kind of two versions of this that they do. There's the joke one, which great. Like if that's a joke that hits for you, then maybe that's worth it. But honestly, I'd rather just watch it, like not spend 10 minutes looking at credit sequence to get to one joke. I'll mm-hmm. just watch it on YouTube in a month and get the joke. If I, that's a joke for me. Then the other one is basically what I call casting news, which is like the Charlize Theron you're talking about. And my viewpoint on those is like, 
this could have been an email. Like, just tell me you've cast this person and move on. Like, why am I waiting again 10 minutes through a, through a credit scene for what should have been an email? It, 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 they, they should just be upfront about it. It's just like Kevin Feige just like walks out into like, it just cuts to like a stage and he walks out and then like drops the curtain and then it's just a big like billboard of the next character and it's just like, Wolverine's coming. Congrats, everybody. <laughs> All right, that's the end of the movie. It's like that's that's your credit sequence. That's as much as it would do for me. Like I just like I I understand. Like there is a culture where that is fun, and if that is fun to you, great. It's just not for me, so I just don't care about this. Well, Emily, thank you again for. It's always such a, a joy to have you on this on this podcast. Thank you for for touring the multiverse with us, and um. You know, stay stay safe out there. It's a crazy, it's a crazy world out in the multiverse. Amongst these these multiple different worlds, look out for any octopus creatures. Just yeah. You too. Hopefully, whatever universe we land in, we can, can I can continue sometimes popping in here when you are so nice enough to have me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>